You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Stephen Simcox here with you. Appreciate you joining me. It is Friday, December 18th. We're a week away from Christmas. Um, last weekend of the college football regular season slash conference championship weekend should have an idea of what bowl TCU is in by uh, the next time we talk on Monday. And uh, we'll, we'll break that down depending on where they end up. And I might have Matt jump on. I'm not sure. We, we sort of left it open-ended um, depending on just how the week goes. But we'll definitely have a show for you on Monday regardless of uh, if it's with Matt or if it's just me solo uh, like it normally is during the week. I wanted to start with something a little interesting today. Uh, I came across this. My buddy Patrick Kahn, who covers the Longhorns and actually does the Locked on Longhorns podcast, he uh, did a power rankings piece for Longhorns Wire, which is part of USA Today, and he ranked the Big 12 quarterbacks from 10 to 1. So I think it's sort of interesting where uh, Max Duggan ends up, and I want to go through it and just hit on some of these guys. So at number 10, he has Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Um, you know, Daniels had a tough year. Only 50, He only completed 50% of his passes, 718 yards, one touchdown, four picks. Um, they were switching in and out all season between him and Miles Kendrick. But I felt like Daniels, as a true freshman, for what he was asked to do, um, did a nice job. He's very athletic. He's very dynamic. And the funny thing is, in the TCU game, Miles Kendrick was actually the one that led some impressive drives. Daniels had a tough day. But I think he's definitely the future of this Kansas program. Um, a good passer. I would have liked to have seen what he could have done if Puka Williams didn't opt out and stayed in there. Could they have maybe won one game, just one game, you know, uh, during the season if, if Puka was there? Because that offense really um, just became so one-dimensional and uh, so toothless when, when Williams decided to move on and not play the rest of the season. But uh, I think Daniels at 10 makes sense. I actually – he's got Alan Bowman at 9. And he's got Will Howard at eight. I would flip those two. I think Bowman can be a pretty special player when he's healthy. I'm still very confused as to what Matt Wells was doing um, with this Bowman-Henry Columbia sort of uh, one-two punch that he was using. Because Columbia, aside from picking up a win against West Virginia, didn't really do anything for that Red Raider team. Uh, Bowman completed 64% of his passes. For 1,596 yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. But you could just tell. I mean, I think when you use the eye test and when you watch uh, the games, Bowman made that offense so much better. He made that offense more dynamic. They took more risk. Now, hand-in-hand with that, did they turn the ball over a little bit more when Bowman was playing? Yeah, I mean, Columbia was sort of your check down Charlie, uh, safe, not going to lose you the game, but... I mean, we saw Columbia uh, when he came to Fort Worth, and really aside from those two touchdown passes where poor C.J. Caesar just got picked on in his first career start, 
Um, that Tech offense could not do anything against the Frogs uh, that Saturday afternoon. So I think Bowman is a, a pretty good quarterback. He's just had some bad luck with injuries. And then this coaching staff with David Yost at OC and, uh, and Matt Wells at, at the head coach position hasn't really come together yet. It, it might at some point, but right now they're really inconsistent. They don't have that explosiveness on offense that they had with uh, with Cliff Kingsbury, and it hasn't um, sort of fully we, – we haven't seen the full picture yet. Maybe we will in year three when he gets a full off season. But Daniels at 10, Bowman at 9, and then Will Howard at 8. Um, I, I've said it before, man. I just <laughs> – I think – that loss to K-State uh, is really the big black eye on this season for TCU when, when you lose 21-14 to and Will Howard's first start. Now, we all know why it happened. I mean, the offensive line that day just got absolutely abused. And there's no excuse for it, but that's what went down. That's what kept Max Duggan uh, from playing a good game. He just did not play well at all that day. They couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Howard completed 53% of his passes, had over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, 10 picks. Um, he got off to a really hot start and was playing well, and then reality sort of set in as as the year went on. Um, but Howard is – I think Howard has a bright future. He's he's a true freshman this year, was asked to do a ton, similar to Daniels. I feel like as he starts to settle in, and he's obviously in a much better situation and a much better program than Jalen Daniels is, then he can become um, a really good quarterback. The key for him is, hey, get the ball to Deuce Vaughn, right? Like that's that's what I would encourage anyone who is uh, playing offense for Kansas State to do is put the ball in Deuce Vaughn's hands. And then I have another gripe with Patrick here. He's got Jarrett Dagey at seven and Charlie Brewer at six. I would flip those as well unless, like unless we're giving Charlie Brewer like a Lifetime Achievement Award for getting the Bears to the Sugar Bowl a couple seasons ago and winning a lot of games and being a gritty guy. I mean, I feel like they're pretty similar. They're both sort of best used as game managers. Um, They're really cerebral guys. They make good decisions, but pretty limited passing the ball. Neither can stretch the field vertically and, and make things happen over the top. So it just limits the offenses that they play for. But you know, you wouldn't notice it by the stats. I think Charlie Brewer put together a respectable season, 61% completion percentage, 1,958 yards, 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. But it was just a very pedestrian year for him. And that Baylor offense for entire games and for stretches in just about every game could not move the ball. I mean, just could not move the ball to save their life, could not get first downs. And that's what you saw in the first half of that TCU game that allowed them to get out to that huge lead. They couldn't move the ball. They started pressing. They started turning the ball over. And it led to a 30 to nothing advantage for the Frogs before Baylor could get on the board. We'll continue with this conversation about Big 12 quarterbacks. We'll go five through one, and I'll let you know where Max Duggan ends up. But before we do that, let me tell you about Coors Light. Coors Light is the beer that's made to chill. I don't know what you've been watching this week. I've been watching a lot of high school football, these state title games on Fox Sports Southwest here in the state of Texas. Um, it's been fantastic. All these games have been really incredible so far. And, you know, when I get a chance to unwind in the evenings, I grab a cold Coors Light. We made it to the weekend. You just got to get through your work day, and then you can relax. And when you want to hit reset, you should try a cold Coors Light. It's cold lagered. It's cold brewed. It's literally the beer 
um, that's made to chill. And Coors Light understands that you don't get a lot of time to yourself. You don't get much me time. You don't get an opportunity to uh, reset. So make sure you have a beverage in hand when you do that's going to help you get in that right state of mind. You can get it sent straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Please always remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Back here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Happy Friday to you. Uh, thanks for listening wherever and whenever you are. I've been rolling through this uh, Big 12 quarterback list that my friend Patrick Kahn, who covers uh, Texas for Locked on Longhorns and also uh, writes for Longhorns Wire put together. So I'm going 10 through 1, and I did the first five there in that first segment. Let's go 5 through 1 now. And at number 5, our guy shows up, Max Duggan. Um you know, Max, I think when you look at his whole season in context, it's pretty incredible when you consider we weren't even sure if he was going to play. Like before the year, he we find out he's got a heart condition. We don't really know what's going on. Um, it, it's just stated that he's probably he's going to miss some time. Looks like it doesn't look good. Maybe he's going to miss the whole year. And he ends up playing in all ten games. Now, he only played the first half against Iowa State, which I know uh, irritates some Frog fans, understandably, because if he was if he was available to play a half, why well, wasn't he available to play a full game? And, you know, there's, there's frustration with the play calling. They got super, super conservative at times. There was that stretch of the season where they looked like they just didn't trust him to throw the ball. But the thing about Max is he is a playmaker. You know, the stats, he completed 60% of his passes, which is a, a pretty big jump from last year. 1,795 yards, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, I mean, I think when you look at the first few games of the year against Iowa State and Texas, he looked great. And then you hit this weird stretch from the Kansas State game to – that West Virginia debacle where he looked average and looked like just another dude out there, but then closed the season strong with big games against Oklahoma State and uh, and Louisiana Tech. You know, I think after two years, we have a pretty good idea of who Max is. He's a great running quarterback, very mobile. Um, can make plays in the passing game. I don't feel like his biggest strength is throwing the ball deep. It seems like this coaching staff disagrees with me because they appear to want to get him the ball um, outside the numbers or want him to throw the ball outside the numbers down the field in the vertical passing game. I don't think that's what he's best equipped to do, but that's what they sort of roll with. And I feel like if he can get – more comfortable making those intermediate throws and moving the chains and making things happen in the passing game, the sky's the limit for Max. Um, If he never gets there, then he can still be a dangerous quarterback because he can make some big throws and hurt you with his legs, either on some designed runs or, or with the scramble drill. But if, if he can become a more refined passer, then you have uh, the, some really serious potential with Max moving forward. At number four, Spencer Sanders. Uh, You know, if Spencer Sanders would ever stop turning the ball over, (laughs) he might be pretty good. Um, It has been frustrating 
for Oklahoma State fans that he just continues to make confounding decisions. But after coming back from that injury, you know, he completed 61% of his passes for over 1,700 yards, 10 touchdowns, 8 picks, throws too many interceptions, fumbles the ball too much. Uh, I think Sanders at number four is fair. I could make an argument that you should flip Sanders and Duggan at four and five, but I do agree that right now Sanders is is the more dynamic player. I mean, like that's 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 a fair assessment of of those guys' games right this minute. At number three, Brock Purdy. Um, Purdy completed sixty six percent of his passes for over two thousand yards, seventeen touchdowns, six interceptions. I think I could pretty much say what I said about Spencer Sanders and sort of copy-paste it to Brock Purdy. He turns the ball over a little too much. And, you know, going into the season, we thought he was going to be the focal point of this Iowa State offense, and that really hasn't been the case. I mean, it's turned into Brees Hall, who, by the way, won uh, Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12 today. Um, But Purdy settled down and, and started to make things happen um, later in the year. And I think that was really the key. Like, as the season went on, he got better. And that's what you have to hang your hat on if you're an, an Iowa State fan. And I'm okay with, uh, with him being there at number three. Sam Ellinger was number two on this list. Um, you know, Sam is a really gifted runner. Um, and a a great leader, and I think a really gritty guy, and makes things happen. Uh, I'm okay with him at number two. I think he accomplished more than the player that's at number one, but I understand why he would be sitting at two. He had um, 2,400 yards passing this year, a 60% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns and five interceptions. Uh, the accuracy is not there at times, but I think the leadership, the competitiveness, and just the ability to make things happen on the ground with his big frame is, is second to none. And finally, Spencer Rattler at number one. You know, early in the year, it looked like maybe the hype was a little overdone or just maybe he wasn't ready to step into that starting role and be immediately a great player. But as the season went on, you could tell he got more and more comfortable and you saw everything that was advertised. The huge arm, the ability to make plays off schedule, um, everything that sort of came in that five-star package you saw from Spencer Rattler as we got later in the season. And it's scary to think of what he's going to look like with three years in Lincoln Riley's system. Um, I, I think that makes Big 12 fans across the landscape pretty fearful to think Lincoln Riley has a chance to develop someone, and it's not just another transfer coming in that's going to leave after a year. So overall, I like Patrick's uh, list. Had a few gripes here and there, made that known, but uh, pretty good content there on Longhorns Wire from Patrick Kahn. Coming up next, we'll uh, look at TCU men's and women's basketball, their upcoming schedule, and we'll also talk about the Big 12 title game. We'll do that next, but right now, let's talk about Built Go. Built Go is a a great energy solution. It's brought to you by the same people that make Built Bar. Built Bar, the most delicious protein bar on the market, and 
if you're hitting a wall in the middle of the day or in the late afternoon, why don't you try Built Go? Built Go comes in a, a really easy, convenient one and a half ounce package. It comes in three great flavors: peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate mint, and it's uh, it's great to carry with you in your golf bag, in your briefcase, wherever it might be. You know, it's it's easy to, to tote around and, and have with you wherever you go. It has all natural ingredients, including some uh, some protein that it combines with an energy gel to keep you going. Uh, you can visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltGo.com. Use that promo code LOCKED and get 20% off your next order. Let's go. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, final segment. I'm Steven Simcox here with you on a Friday. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Make sure you do that so that it just comes straight to you on your phone. That's a really nifty thing. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, where, where can I find this? Where can I get it? You just go to, uh, to the podcast app of your choosing. It downloads there, and I, I try to have these up by midnight so you can listen to it whenever wherever and um just sort of do what you what what you want to do listen wherever it is you'd like so again that's on spotify on stitcher on apple Podcasts, and then if you want to rate and review the show you can do that as well especially on apple Podcasts. that uh Helps give me some feedback. If you want to give me some feedback on Twitter, my personal account is at SimcoxSteven. I also have a show account at LockedOnTCU. Again, that's at LockedOnTCU. So if you have some thoughts about this uh, Big 12 quarterback power ranking segment that I just sort of recapped there that, that was brought on by a, a good piece by Patrick Kahn, then you can hit me up either at SimcoxSteven or at LockedOnTCU and let me know where to find uh, where or what your thoughts are and uh, and where I can find you so I can follow you on Twitter as well. Coming up this weekend, no CCU football game. We should get uh, a bowl game assignment, though. We should find out who the Frogs are going to play in the bowl game, where they're going to play, all that. So we'll break that down on Monday. Um, there's no TCU men's basketball this weekend. They're going to play um, North Dakota State on Tuesday at Shalemire Arena. So that's Tuesday at 8 o'clock against North Dakota State. But the TCU women, they're playing Texas Tech on Saturday at 2 p.m. Tech beat the women twice last year. And so they were sort of a thorn in their side. Even though the Frogs finished with a better record overall, Texas Tech kind of had their numbers. So this would be a, a nice way to get an impressive victory and get back on the right track. Hoping to also get back to 500 and 1-1 one and one in a Big 12 play. So big game for the TCU women as they try to avoid that 0-2 hole to start the conference season. And the other thing going on this weekend is uh, the Big 12 title game. And, and this should be a fun one, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Iowa State has been about as consistent as you can be since that early loss to Louisiana um, that cost them any shot at the playoff. But they're sitting at number six, so I guess they still do have an outside chance, even though you know it would have to be utter chaos for them to find a way to get in. And Oklahoma is just red hot ever since that slow start. They've been fantastic. The Sooners are actually five-point favorites in this game. I'm curious to see, you know, in that first matchup, the Iowa State defense played really well. Um, they can get after you with, with that three-man front. They have great linebackers led by Mike Rose, who makes plays in coverage, fills run gaps well. But with uh, 
with Ramondre Stevenson back on the field for Oklahoma. He didn't play in that first game. He was missing due to a suspension. With Rattler playing better, with them being more dynamic, with a guy like Marvin Mims, the true freshman who now has 10 games under his belt, as opposed to three when these two teams met earlier this season in Ames, it feels like the that matchup tips towards the Oklahoma offense, even as good as that uh, that Iowa State defense is. You know, it seems like this OU offense, as they started to progress through the season, is is the better unit. And defensively for OU, it's going to be intriguing because they really like to get after the passer, disrupt things, make things happen, um, and and sort of blow up plays with their pass rush. But while that's can be very effective against Brock Purdy, you know, Brees Hall is what makes this thing go for Iowa State. He is the offensive player of the year in the conference. He has probably been the best player in the Big 12 all season long. So his ability to run the ball is going to be huge because that's going to take some pressure off Brock Purdy. That's going to open things up in the pass game. That's going to keep those OU pass rushers honest to where they can't just pin their ears back and tee off all game long. So I'm – I'm interested to see how can OU slow that down. Can they play with good gap discipline and clog things up and not allow him to break big ones? Can they, you know, stay disciplined and stay in their pass rush lanes and not have him just run rampant uh, on at AT&T Stadium on Saturday? I'm going to take Oklahoma in this one. As much as I would like to see Iowa State get it done and to see some new blood, winning the Big 12 Conference. I just feel like OU is a more talented team. I think they're the better team. I think when push comes to shove, that's going to show up, and their depth is going to show up as the game goes on. This is a really a completely different team than we saw back in October when these two teams matched up in, in round one. So I like OU to, to find a way to get it done, um, but Iowa State's a great football team. I would not be surprised at all if, if they end up winning it and – both these teams can play in a New Year's Six game, and I hope they represent the Big 12 well if they do end up in a big bowl game. That'll do it for me and Locked on Horn Frogs this week. Um, thank you for listening. I'll be back on Monday. We'll break down TCU's bowl game, who their bowl opponent might be, all that and more coming up on Monday. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.